Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and on The Last Thing I Saw, I talk to friends about what movies we've been watching. It's as simple as that. Joining me this time is Ashley Clark. Ashley is Director of Film Programming at BAM, a longtime colleague in film criticism, and as it turns out, one of the last people I saw in person at a movie-related gathering. On this episode, we talked about a range of movies, from the devastating Vietnam documentary Winter Soldier, to the 2016 drama Nocturama, to Eric Romare's The Green Ray. Please note, this episode was recorded before the nationwide protests for justice began, and so this discussion about movies is a bit of a time capsule. We thank you for listening. Hello there. Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw, a new podcast dedicated to a rarely discussed subject, motion pictures. We decided to carve out a little niche, if you will, uh, but occasionally I'm able to convince someone to join me in my journeys. And today I'm very pleased uh, to be joined by a extraordinary critic and programmer, Ashley Clark. Hello. Hi, I'm Rusty. I thought you'd provided an ellipsis there for me to jump in, so I ruined your introduction. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I am here. Um, I'm very happy to be here. Um, yeah, thanks for. I was going to say thanks for having me on. I'm really yeah. It. No, I, I appreciate it. It's I, I know it's 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 probably uh, a very busy time. Um, you know, I, that's the, that's the kind of the paradox of of you know part of the world downing tools and and uh is, but it's it, that it actually means a lot of work uh behind the scenes to kind of prepare and to to get ready for what's going to come up yeah absolutely i mean we it's now you know may bam's been closed since or the physical space has been closed since M- march the 13th or 14th so we've had a couple of months now but it has been an exceptionally busy time not just in terms of trying to transition into providing some kind of compelling online offering, but also absorbing um, what we've lost, processing uh, a lot of the, the big changes, tracking what's going on in our industry, um, trying to think ahead and, and plan ahead without any real sen- concrete sense of, of where things are going, and trying to adapt to new forms of communication and trying to come up with ever new um, innovative ways of getting off Zoom calls when everybody knows that you haven't got anywhere to go um, <laughs> is a particular challenge in its own right. But yeah, it's been really, it's been not not a profound thing to say, but extremely strange and challenging. But uh, in terms of BAM, you know, we are closed, but we're open. Um, we're yeah. st- we're still planning, doing things. You know, just just this week we've launched um, uh, a virtual or online version of Film Africa, which we had completely um, organized and programmed the uh, the physical version of it to happen over the Memorial Day weekend in tandem with um, the Dance Africa celebration at BAM, which is obviously a, a huge um, a huge moment in the BAM calendar and for our community. And it's been going for so long. And this is the first time that it's um, ever been cancelled in its physical form. So it's oh, wow. been it's been a huge undertaking to get uh, a, you know a virtual version of that happening with a a virtual bazaar with lots of uh, vendors who would have been out there um, outside BAM selling um, to get them up and running online to do like live classes and performances. Um, and I've been working with uh, Mahen Bonetti and the team at African Film Festival Inc. Um, to put together a, a kind of a, sec- a selection of films for online. Um, and it's very it's different to anything we've done before, but we're just so happy to have a presence and to keep things going and to give uh, audiences a chance to to engage with 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 some really great work. There's a film called Aya of of Yop City, which is a really beautiful animated film about Ivory Coast in the 70s, and I I think it's wonderful. Um, we're also showing Mother of George by Andrew Dosunmu, which I think is a beautiful film. Oh, that's so beautiful that movie. Uh, Bradford shot by Bradford Young. Just some of the yeah. most stunning cinematography you could um, you could you could imagine. And yeah. so there's going to be eight films in total. We're launching four in the first week and four in the second. Um, working with um, a number of different distributors um, with who we've we've worked with so far on virtual theatrical engagements, and you know splitting the proceeds between us and and 
African Film Festival and the distributor and constantly just figuring out new models and ways to to do these things. I don't want to get too uh, inside baseball on the industry side of things, but everything's changed in terms of how we track grosses and how we report and internal processes. So those are some of the things that we've just been getting on with and in a way trying to build from scratch while trying to retain a sense of normalcy. But yeah, certainly a, a fascinating time. Yeah, I mean, and I the virtual cinema as as a as a kind of new form, uh, obviously because the circumstances didn't exist. It is, it's it's sort of a continuation of some th- some things that that might have existed, but now as as in some ways the the only game in town as far as a kind of shared, um, s- I would say site specific, you know, just in the sense of being affiliated with a particular institution um, way of seeing movies. Um, it's been really interesting to see that um, e- evolve and and I guess heartening I have to say like I guess that it that it exists at all you know that, that I, I think a lot of you know I mean I, I got into all of this just by going to BAM among other places uh, just pretty obsessively yeah. and so there's been a huge hole uh, in, in my in my, my life basically uh, without that um, so I guess it must be you must have audiences and and, and uh, people who are pretty appreciative of, of having um, these 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 events go on in this form yeah I think we've been heartened it's a good good word um, by some of the responses from people whether it's social media or, or via email or even just kind of friends saying that um, it's great to have a a concrete way to support what we do as you said it's site specific it's a it's a way to continue to show support to BAM and for us to maintain some of the the curatorial um philosophy that that we've had you know that we have anyway um and to put some thought into the selections and redefine kind of metrics of success I think we're all proceeding on the on the the understanding that what we really love doing is being in that physical space, the communal experience of cinema going, but we also understand that the landscape post, I'm not going to say post COVID because it's kind of here to stay, but when, when the real, um, when, when theaters start to open again, it's not going to look the same as it did. So there are going to be all sorts of things to consider from a financial and a health and safety perspective. We all want to get there, to have this space to carve out some presence and and a way to communicate with our audience and for them to feel that we're still doing what we do in a different version is, is great. And it definitely gives us some um, impetus as well. And it it offers an opportunity to continue to work with distributors and actually get a read on the landscape of, of, of independent cinema and distribution and exhibition. It's been a really fascinating time uh, to have lots of, conversations about the landscape and yeah. and, 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 a, and a almost a, a strange moment you know in us all, all being in it together in in some way not that we're at loggerheads all the time otherwise um you know I've joked that this is a little bit like the moment in the warriors you know right at the start when <laughs> everyone collects in the park um, mm-hmm. we all know what happens there um I don't anticipate it will go the same way, but we are all in it together to an extent at the moment and trying to devise interesting ways out of it. So it has been an interesting communal moment, not just in terms of bringing audiences together in one space, but different disciplines across the industry having to come together and pool ideas and, and understand that this is bigger than, you know, this situation is bigger than us individually. Yeah. So we need to come up with some some sort of roadmap or, or roadmaps or versions um, to, to progress in it but at the heart of all of that for us at BAM is is really just keeping a sense of our identity and doing what we uh, what we want to do and what we really believe in but we definitely want to be back in that theatrical space soon that's what I love that's what I want to do yeah yeah no it is it is a it's a it's a sobering but but yeah also heartening r- a reminder of the kind of interdependence of of, of um, this this whole world um so, but I mean, I guess I hope you've had some free time as well to just kind of retreat to into any sort of viewing you, you'd, you'd like of uh, maybe some escapism, maybe not. Or uh, I think we were just sort of talking a little bit before uh, that you've been doing some first time views that, that uh, were, were kind of interesting. Yeah, um, it's been a, a nice moment to institute some kind of um, 
regularity in terms of watching. I kind of tend to watch a film a night, um, mm. and that's been a nice routine to get into. I don't have the commute now. You know, that's one thing that's been right. rock off. So I, I don't have to worry about getting home late. You know, it's often the last thing I want to do when I get home from work is watch another film. But here it's just a kind of slight lateral move from chair to couch and you're kind of, you're away. Um, so that that's a lot easier. But in terms of first time viewings, um, I had never seen um, Mauvais Sang by, by Leos Carax. Um, and I watched that um, recently, and I think I was um, it was on my radar because of the forthcoming uh, Adam Driver, Leos Carrick's Adam Driver film that happens to be written by Sparks, the um, oh yeah, any enigmatic pop duo. Um, I, I I didn't know that they'd actually written the script. I thought they'd just done some songs for it, but it turns out I, I believe they actually wrote the script. So I'm looking forward to that. And then obviously this, um, very recently, Michel Piccoli passed away. Um, and, yeah. You know, he, he's, he's marvellous in this film. I appreciated it for its, the way it sets up the plot, the, a kind of kind of thriller plot about a vaccine. This is something semi-timely about it. I think it was slightly controversial riff on, on AIDS at the time and about a, a blood disease that, that is... Um, caught by people who have sex without being in love. I think I kind of picked that up from the film, um, that, that mm-hmm. plot line. But um, the, the film has absolutely no interest in, pl- in the plot whatsoever. And I always <laughs> find it refreshing when a film sets up a plot and just drops it. And this film in particular is extremely impressionistic and, and so predicated on, on the movement and the gestures of, of its characters um, played by Denny Lavant, who's obviously worked with Carax many times, um, and Juliette Binoche in an early role. Also, uh, a very young Julie Delpy as the the young woman who is infatuated with Denny Lavant's character. And I was really, really just um, taken with with the films. It's it's a very em- emotional film. It's a nakedly emotional film. It's very it's stylish and cool and arch in some ways, but it's also incredibly earnest. And I found that quite refreshing. Um, yeah, I, I I loved Holy Motors, which was the last thing of his that I saw, and I've been kind of plot, plotting a rewatch of that for some time because that keyed into um, a certain everyday absurdity that we all have to kind of face. Uh, and I, I remember you've seen—I mean, obviously you've seen Holy Motors. I remember being yeah. stunned by that ending because I, despite everything that happens, um, I assumed that he was going to go back to where he started the film. But he he goes and he ends up hanging out with those chimps at a completely different house, and you realise mm-hmm. that this is not a, a day in the life. This is his whole life. Um, right. And there's these sort of philosophical implications that that run throughout characters' work that are very clear and present in in Mauvais Sang. But it, I just thought it was beautiful and stylish. So that was one. It's been uh, uh, not not by accident more than design, but very French heavy. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, viewing slates so far, so I watched um, Rafifi as well. I'd, I'd watched the um, the heist on its own, like excerpted, but I'd, I'd never watched the whole film. I thought that was wonderful, um, and also uh, Eric Romer's The Green Ray, um, which is a film that been on my long list for for a long time. I missed the uh, the re release at the Metrograph a couple of years ago. Um, it, it, to, to my to my great dismay, um, but I just I found it so open, and it, it essentially tracks the the fortunes of of a young woman who um, it's kind of relatable. She she's she doesn't want to be on her own, but she doesn't want to be with people. She's not she's she's not happy. She's not sad. It's a, an interesting character study of someone who's actually not not especially likable initially and kind of slightly irritating. This is a a film from 1986, I believe. Is that is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, right around the there. Mid 80s. Um, but th- it just kind of follows. It, the, the premise is essentially she's about to go away on holiday, but the person she's going to go with counsels on her, so she has to find new plans. And the film essentially tracks her go, bouncing from one slightly disappointing holiday substitute to another there's not much in the way of plot 
Um, but it's extremely generous to this character. And by the end of it, I just felt completely absorbed in her, in her ennui slash um, striving for, for, for a better time of it. And, and it has one of the all-time great final shots, which may or may yeah. have something to do with the um, the title of the film. Yeah. So those no, are that... the, 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 the first things that come to mind of stuff that I've watched recently and enjoyed. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the Green Ray is is just that. That's a movie that's never really uh, lost its its imprint on me. Just a, a movie that. Uh, I mean, almost another movie where the the plot also is not not really the central. It's almost just these are kind of logistical scribbles in the background while she's just the movie is is really more just about her state of mind. And and as you said, not always an appealing character. It's it's almost hard to be in the same room as this movie as as with her in a way because the movie is so and she especially is so uh, just I guess candid and 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 open. Uh, about the sometimes pretty messy state that that melancholy can be far from being some kind of you know beautiful lyrical poetical um you know state of 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 you know meditative state where you're able to see things from a distance there's there's sometimes a you know an edge of of, of panic uh basically yeah. <laughs> uh, to to the way she's feeling and you know if you take it just in terms of the 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 outlines of it which is where you know what am i doing for for the summer it it can seem um frivolous when it's it's really the opposite there's like a quote about leisure and romer romer that uh i wish i could remember i think it's maybe philip lopate or someone said it but just the, the centrality of leisure that it's it's in 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 this this movie and other romer movies that, and it's that it's this vehicle for something actually quite 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 the opposite quite deep I think so. And it really struck a chord, particularly in this moment, um, given that we're in some kind of twilight zone vacation um, of, of <laughs> suspended, in kind of suspended animation in some ways. And the way that quite without warning, um, I'll speak personally, my own mood can, can shift. You know, I'll have a mm. few I'll have a few good days and then suddenly um, I'll be a complete shambles. And th- th- there's the way that her character is observed. Um, in that she seems to be fine. And then without warning, she'll just burst into tears. Yeah. Um, it felt very relatable. Um, yeah. At this moment. Too. <laughs> um, you know, and so it felt like good, good viewing in that respect. And I just, I, I, I use the word observation. It's a slight crutch word, you know, keenly observed, you know, but what does that really mean? But there is, there's this elongated sequence where she meets this. Um, I think she's a Swedish sunbather on a beach and it seems like it's the first time that somebody's entered her life um mm. in, in the world of this film that is going to elevate her and you know she feeds initially she feeds off this woman's energy and it seems like the film is going to go in a in a radically different direction you're going to sit up and you think oh is is this the the answer to our heroine's you know to 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 her issues to her despair she just needs a a buddy with some energy and she'll bring it'll bring her some self-esteem and this scene kind of goes on and then they pick up two guys and it turns out that this Swedish woman is actually really, really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And and this scene goes on forever and her and this, uh, one of the guys, they're just kind of clowning around with each other and our heroine and this other poor guy who's supposed to be her date, they don't get a word in edgeways and she just, gets up and walks off and all the air comes out of the film again. And it's just such a, a beautiful moment, like where your, your expectations are undone, both in terms of, of character, but also in, in narrative as well. Um, and it has a beautifully pointed ending, which I, I won't spoil. I think it's, I, I, it's really nice to come to it um, for the first time, knowing nothing like I did, but I, I really, it was a film about feel and about getting into the groove of it. And it's a lovely mm. thing to be, I think, slightly resistant to a film for a while. And I think the film absolutely um, dares you to, to not like this woman. Um, it, it dares you to, to side with the people that are kind of chiding her. Like when she's kindly invited into a whole other social space, a friend's mm. family, and they offer her food and she goes on a fairly trenchant, um, screed about vegetarianism and they're all 
and you know you want to you're kind of sitting there cringing and thinking you know you don't have to quite pull the puritanical card you could just politely but no she keeps going and everybody (laughs) around her is kind of cringing and trying to be nice with her but she's not quite reading the room but it felt so authentic to people in real life who don't read the room sometimes and I don't read the room perfectly sometimes and so I guess that's what when I when I keep using that word keenly that that phrase keenly observed it felt very very truthful but it had its also it just has this kind of loping quality to the to the narrative and also some of the looks that this kind of French 80s vibe um of the, the the way that people are dressed is just kind of funny um and this incredibly fully formed version of white stylish in in 80s France which kind of has made various comebacks on the streets of East London and Brooklyn from time to time um so a visual delight in that respect there's one particular <laughs> guy who's burned into my mind um <laughs> extremely hairy chest who who gently accosts our, our heroine um, and looks to get a photograph from her for some reason and this scene lasts for about 10 seconds but but this the, just the casting of this guy who's sunburned to hell and covered in hair and um, very in, lots of indelib- indelible images and in, uh, indelible costume choices and characters and it just felt like a very fully realized world I, I loved it a lot and I, it's a film that doesn't happen often but when it finished I just wanted to start watching it again because I wanted yeah. to, I, I wanted to try and understand more what it had done to me emotionally and why it had taken me in certain directions so yeah the yeah. green ray good movie five yes. popcorn <laughs> This, this Romero is, is onto something. With this, yeah, yeah. This, this guy, this watch, watch out for him. And you also saw a couple of movies, um, which I guess could almost pair together, if, if you don't mind my, uh, my bunching things a little. A little. But um, as, as kind of, I feel like movies that, for lack of a better word, are, are uh, politically aware um, and um, I think might catalyze uh, in in new ways uh, you know if you're when you're watching them now um, versus when when they came out i mean um i wonder if it's it's should i say them or you want you want to jump into them or can you guess which ones i'm talking about thing about emmanuel in space <laughs> oh no sorry um um i could maybe start with um happy as lazaro yes um which was a film that i had been on my list for ages i absolutely loved the wonders um we did a shortly before BAM temporarily closed. We did a um, a series in support of First Cow, which was supposed to open. Uh, and Kelly Reichardt put together an amazing series of oh, films yeah. that had inspired um, First Cow. Actually, the last film I ever saw uh, in a, in a rep theater was was our own was uh, Woman uh, Woman in the Dunes, which was part of that series, um, which was an extraordinary film. Um, and Happy as Lazaro was part of the series, and that and Woman in the Dunes make great bedfellows because, in a way, Happy as Lazaro is a film that is about um, gender relations. It's about class exploitation, capitalism, faith in many forms, betrayal, without ever being about them. You know, capital A um, underlining. And it's so fully formed. It's so its own thing and organic and unpredictable. Um, And again, it just, I found it a hypnotic experience, um, which is the same as the other film I'll talk about in a minute, but um, I was kicking myself for having waited so long. But I thought it was really interesting to build a film around a blank canvas. Um, it has, in a way, it all made, made me think a little bit of Transit by Christian Petzold, um, hmm. in that it uses this kind of temporal or, or chronological gambit, where the 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 setting of the film is um, the, the main character Lazaro is a almost um, Balthazar <laughs> like character, <laughs> like, a, like a farm labourer. Um, a tobacco on a tobacco plantation, uh, tobacco fields in rural Italy. Um, and there's lots of laborers who are effectively indentured servants or sharecroppers. Um, and he's, he's even put upon within that, um, 
within that context, but he's very amenable. He's very nice and basically says yes to everybody and is very trusting, even though people wind him up a little bit. And I think people like him, but then it, the the Marquis, her, her family come into town and it's revealed that um, she's, she's really exploiting them and this practice is illegal. Um, and then the film, I won't spoil any more because again, I think it's a film that people should if they haven't seen it should um come to fresh and certainly don't need my interpretations of the whole thing um but it does something extremely daring with um with chronology and with time and it was really really nice that the film had the confidence to let me to let me as the viewer work out what was happening I, I at the best of times I don't like being spoon fed by films and I don't mind being confused or having space to work things out. Um and I think Happy as Lazaro does a, a really masterful job of allowing the themes to to cohere and to drift um in fascinating and very challenging ways. But the film is even though the, the thematics of the film, it goes to some fairly ugly areas, it's always really ravishing and beautiful to look at. Um, and it creates a very, very particular and distinct tone, which certainly carries over from The Wonders, which I believe was her last film, which I saw at the New York Film Festival a few years ago and and, and, and loved a lot. So, yeah, just in terms yeah. of something that, that trusts its audience, can't underestimate that, in particularly in a in a climate where less and less of those kind of films seem to be being made. Um, something that feels completely like its own thing is very um, appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I, I sometimes worry if I overuse this, but it's probably just in my head, but I think, you know, uh, Elie Walker is just able to achieve a kind of magic at like key moments in her movies that I, I'm at a little bit of a loss to 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 explain how it's done. I mean, in this one, it's like a particular transition that occurs that is almost like a a dream flight of some sort. Um, it, both almost literally with just with the camera, but um, and uh, yeah, that's that's you know throughout all her or her movies, um, especially since she's working with uh what, what what weirdly is almost somewhat familiar territory just because of the history of movies yeah. <laughs> and 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 what has come to screen um uh, especially in italian cinema um but just to just galvanize it in in in, in a new way um and and also having a naive character which is also sometimes a bit of a i guess a staple of of some of some i don't know um, some I don't know a certain strain of like uh, I'm, I'm just trying not to say art house movies a certain certain strain of art cinema uh, <laughs> just say it you know <laughs> a certain strain of art cinema where you have a naive character who's then kind of effectively just um, a, a, a a mirror but also a thing to be brutalized and to treat you a lesson through yeah um, but in this case, that's that's it's you know she's she kind of just glides past that uh, as 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 a technique and and, and does her own her her own uh, feat of magic. And the really um, really brilliant thing is that she invests this blank canvas with the potential to do not good as well, mm, which is mm -hmm. what really haunted me about it. Um, yeah, that that there is, as I said, it does go to some I think really dark, really provocative places and that that in that in some ways the magic of the film because yes it does have this magical realist um quality to it um tonally and visually but it's never like cloying you know mm -hmm. I, and I think that that can exactly the kind of thing you're talking about you can almost feel things can go sentimental or cloying or be overly brutal or make you feel bad this is genuinely um there's a genuine ambiguity to it that doesn't feel in any way like a cop-out. It really feels yeah. like a carving of space for you to process your own feelings on capitalism and labor and certain aspects of migration. Um, and again, which yeah. is why the, the comparison with transit comes to mind. I think it does a very, very similar thing um, in its own extremely unique and confident way. Also the casting of this guy who, who I don't believe had ever acted before. Um, mm. 
initially wasn't interested. There's a kind of funny anecdote I read somewhere that they basically tried to offer him the role. And he was like, oh, no, I'm not really interested, but I'll, I'll call a mate and see what he thinks. And they were like, no, 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 we really, really want you to do this. Um, <laughs> he's just got this incredibly, incredible still um, bearing and that that naivety, which yeah. is, is so touching because he's so ripe for exploitation. But also he's, he has a certain physicality as well, which you don't ever you don't think of him as a weakling in any way so just in terms of his face and his physicality um it just seemed like such a perfect bit of casting and it's always a thrill um i can't think of any other examples immediately but when you watch a film um with somebody who you've literally never seen before um maybe maybe roma with uh mm. yeah is it yalitza aparasi oh, yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Um, if, excuse excuse the, the butchering of name and pronunciation if, if I got any of it wrong um, but when you watch someone who's clearly so talented and brilliant and you've never seen them before and you don't know their story and, and it's within the context of a film that is so beguiling that's a really special thing so I enjoyed that about um, Happy as Lazaro as well yeah no it's it's he's remarkable I think he's a it's a really fun that? film too like it's inc- yeah. incredibly funny like particularly the the Tancredi character, um, who who is this spoiled scion of a of an aristocratic kind of uh, an on the way down aristocratic family, um, yeah, and it, it it's it's extremely amusing, and I'm I'm careful sometimes when talking about um, as you said earlier the art, the old art house cinema um, that it you know sometimes it can sound like we, we can sometimes default into talking about cinema that we're passionate about and forget the the qualities of humor and levity mm-hmm. in, in you know in lieu of other things but this film is extremely funny um i laughed a hell of a lot and i appreciate that at this moment yeah no tancredi i think is one of the most perfect portrayals of like a particular um euro fop or something <laughs> gone to seed i i mean it's it's so perfect <laughs> absolutely perfect casting I, i'd like to make a recommendation for listeners it's a documentary i think was on channel four um a couple of decades ago um and excuse my language it was called the fucking fulfords <laughs> it was about this um this heir to a to the great fulford estate and basically they had no money left but the, all they had was their status and it was this, um, yeah, this family of posh people who'd completely gone to seed and had no money, but still carried themselves as if they were aristocracy. And I think mm-hmm. it's from like 2003, four. But I remember watching it at the time and I'll, I'll never, ever forget it. So um, yeah. the fucking Fulfords, I, I assume it's, it must be on YouTube. Yeah, that's that's a great recommendation. That, that, and that, of course, makes me think of... Um, about the same vintage um but with with air of a movie about heirs um born rich oh yeah um, <laughs> a similar degree of like obliviousness and i guess all the more infuriating because of their actual circumstances um including is it directed by the johnson and johnson heir or does he just appear in it i don't know um, <laughs> i'd love it, it could, maybe maybe it was yeah <laughs> um and uh, you, you saw one other movie that I, I was really curious to hear um, what, what you thought about. Um, also, something that's, uh, I mean, yeah, politically pretty, pretty trenchant. Um, Nocturama. Yeah. Um, so Nocturama is a film I, I have seen before. Um, I saw that when it, when it came out, um, 2017, I think, um, at what was then Film Society of Lincoln Center. Um, and... Yeah, I watched it again and and was similarly struck by it. I mean, this is a film in two very distinct parts. The first half is follows a group of young uh, multi-ethnic group of of semi well kind of young young people ranging from well there's a kid who maybe 11 12 up to I think the the upper limit is probably a guy in his 30s plotting and carrying out a series of terrorist attacks across Paris. The second half of the film is all of the 
perpetrators hiding out in a giant shopping mall um, until the morning when they believe that they will be able to blend back into the crowd um, and get away with it. Um, needless to say, things don't pan out quite as smoothly as planned. Um, but I was really, um, I, I remember being particularly struck by the first half and reading, thinking of Alan Clark a lot because the film uses a lot of Steadicam and it, it's very metronomic. It's very precise in the way that it tracks um, what's what's happening. Um, and I read that um, Bonello, Bertrand Bonello, the director, showed had a held a cast screening of Alan Clark's Elephant. Oh wow! Which was his film from I believe 1988, um, nominally about the troubles in in Northern Ireland, but which is essentially um, a series of very very long steadicam shots of gunmen approaching their targets, killing them in cold blood, and then repeat. Um, and it's a, a truly um, hallucinatory and disturbing experience. And I think that was the, clearly the key touch point, or one of the key touch points for Nocturama, um, which also, speaking uh, to connect back to what I was saying earlier about not giving the audience, or giving the audience room to interpret, um, Nocturama does this in a radically kind of severe way in terms of withholding character motivation and um, political motivation. So it's not like we ever find out exactly why this is happening or how it's happened. We're given little bits of information, but really he's interested in the spectacle of it and then the aftermath. And it's through the through both of these things that I think that Bonello does something really smart, which is allows us to observe the ways that um, class, race, ethnicity um, play into how this plays out. And that ultimately inclu it includes and involves um, the state towards the end of the film. Um, and I just, there is, you know, the obvious relevance with being shut inside, you know, the, the second half of the film where they're all stuck inside in one place. So yes, it makes sense as a lockdown viewing and it's all very claustrophobic and um, un unsettling. But I, it struck me just perhaps even more than the first time, how min how minimalist it is in terms of the information that it gives you and how my, yeah. my personal taste is always for less and less. So it's a, it's a maximalist film in some ways in, in terms of the spectacle, particularly in the second half with, with some of the set pieces um, and it's it's in some ways it's not subtle, but I also don't think it's a condemnation of a, it's not a generational condemnation. Of course, in the second half of the film, the young characters are pretty enraptured by the the luxury goods in the mall, but I don't think it's a, a kind of boomer, okay boomer kind of thing. I think it is genuinely quite sympathetic, and there's something really tragic in a way that made it significantly more powerful than something like Chris Morris's last film, um, which was called The Day Shall Come or The, the Day Shall Arrive, or was that Hong Sang-soo? Oh, uh, yeah. The Day Shall Come, and it was a Chris Morris um, kind of comedy satire, kind of Veep-style thing, which trumpeted right at the start that it was based on hundreds of true stories. You know, so, so the team had combed through lots of case files about inept and misguided terrorists and this and that. And, and it, it felt really, it, it had, it had such a, an extraordinary lack of empathy for everyone and everything whilst also grasping for some kind of documentary authenticity. Whereas I think with Bonello eliding causality and philosophy, it, it, it allows you so much more space to think about the issues at hand without being dictated to, um, as a some as as in some way a political text, which films can be, but they're not often useful as political tracts or texts, especially when they're trying to combine with entertainment. So, the the, the Bonello's refusal or, or withholding, I thought, makes the film significantly more more moving and more thought provoking. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm rambling a lot about this film, but it does. It I find it very. It's a very, I think it's a very special film, and I understand why it was controversial and um, turned a lot of people off, and also why people think it's the work of a dilettante or, or 
empty provocation. I can see all of those things, and ultimately that's built into the film itself. The, the There's a slightly Rorschach nature to it, and it depends on how you want to respond. Yeah, that's that's so funny you said uh, about having a Rorschach quality to it, because that's exactly what I was just thinking right now, that there's something... Uh, there's something about a, a negative space aspect to the film somehow. Uh, that's why I also think it's a movie that must feel differently depending when you're seeing it, you know, now versus three years ago. Or uh, And it's because it's a movie also that does so much with surfaces, um, you know, and just kind of open a play of surfaces and kind of the openness of, of the movie in terms of what it's saying or not saying um, what, the, what the, what the young people in the movie are thinking or not thinking, you know, are, are their minds empty or are they very focused? Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all of this are, are kind of at play. And I just had the sense of the movie as this kind of Mobius strip totally. of, of yeah. modernity or something. I mean, that sounds terrible. And, and but I, that's how it felt. <laughs> Um, completely and there's so many questions within it about exploitation and mm. and almost in in terms of grooming as well like how how characters how potentially at risk characters are are groomed and and in terms of you know there's there's one particular character in the film who just simply disappears and this this is a pivotal character and you never ever find out what happens to this character and in mm. fact, they, in a way, this character is the key to the whole film, because there's the scene. There's a scene quite near the beginning when when two of the young guys are um, in the job in in like a interview, waiting to be jo- uh, interviewed for a job, and a guy starts asking them questions. And the way that the that the scene is set up leads you initially to believe that all three of them are waiting for a job interview, but it turns out that the guy who starts asking questions maybe just someone who hangs out there to recruit people. Um, but then the fate of that guy is left completely um, ambiguous. There's also the wonderful scene when the young white guy in the group um, suddenly appears dressed in a, in a tuxedo that he's put on, which is like a perfect fit. You know, the film is, is very self-aware in that respect, but he, mm-hmm. he, he's struggling to cope with the pressure. So he decides to go out and have a cigarette. And it never comes out and, and says it in the script or it's never articulated, but the, the, the ease with which this guy is able to move through spaces um, and the, 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 comment, the commentary that that makes on um, how he's seen by others, but also the fact that he is the one who suffers from the most guilt as well by bringing, he, he, he brings in the old couple, the old homeless couple um, mm. into the you know, there's there's just so much in it, and it's so much in in small gestures and small exchanges, um, little things that perhaps I'd forgotten. You know, there are the big set pieces I mentioned earlier, like the the my way drag cabaret performance, yep. which kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but there's lots of little moments, and it's a film where there's a lot of space in the movie, but even at 130 minutes, I think everything counts. On a purely um, sensory level, I think Bonello's score is fantastic, and there's a little extra. Mm extra kick from the fact that it's him doing it this kind of mm-hmm. master master craftsman slash manipulator you know doing doing the, the, his own kind of great music um i think is really cool so yeah another yeah. big recommend <laughs> yeah definitely um and and just talking about it and uh what you're saying about motivation it, it made me one of the things i love just in having these conversations about movies are, are bringing bring past movies to mind that I, I haven't really considered for a while. Um, and in this case, uh, sort of similar uh, general territory, but Day, Night, Day, Night, mm-hmm. uh, a Julia Loctev movie, uh, which just came to mind because it, it, it's, it's going down a very different road and, and a different technique, but I think um, fascinating in its own way about, uh, in that case, just focusing on a person who is is going to Times Square with a particular intent uh, that uh, it's, it basically looks like it's going to be a terrorist um, um, act. Um, and it's just a very, uh, very, I want to say, s- sensuous movie in, in, in a similar way, just in terms of how closely um, it tracks, tracks her uh, experience of the audiovisual environment, um, but not 
uh, not seductive in any way and sort of depersonalized uh, and is playing other other kinds of um, other kinds of games and, and playing with other kinds of um, ways of that we evaluate what's in front of us and make assumptions. Um, but I only bring it up because it's so very different from the treatment of this movie. Day Night, Day Night, it was something like, I want to say 2006 or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, that's for me interesting somehow. Um, but a movie that's kind of, I feel, fallen, fallen, uh, fallen out of the, fallen out of conversation, basically, almost because it was so very self-contained. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah. Should it, do you think I should mention Winter Soldier at all? Or we do seem to have come to a nice spot there. I don't know. I think you. I think you should. I think you, you've mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> it's out the bag now. Oh, <laughs> wait a second. Is this being recorded? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I do want to mention it because uh, this is for, was for me sort of a first watch. I mean, I, I had to see it in a class once, and I don't remember anything about it. And that's probably the worst possible place to see a movie like this, uh, depending on the class. Um, but that is Winter Soldier, uh, which is a documentary from, I want to say, 1972, 1973, 1974. Uh, just we'll pick the right one <laughs> when I check. Um, and it, it is a, a, a classic Vietnam documentary that also I think has sort of fallen uh, fallen out of view. Um, I watched it on a DVD that I've been sitting on for, no joke, about 15 years. Uh, I've just... It's never been one that I could really, it's never one that's like, I get home and I'm like, all right, you know, rubbing my hands with glee. Let's, let's dive into Winter Soldier now. Um, it's basically uh, Vietnam veterans uh, that are, are brought together to testify in a kind of panel conference uh, style uh, about atrocities that they've either, that they've seen and or, uh, you know, participated in. Uh, during their tour of duty, um, and it's the simplest of of, of formats. It's a, a lot of it are just people talking to the screen, uh, and or or like in a line in, in a panel, like a press conference. Um, there's a sort of segment where people kind of rap. I say that because that's that's how they refer to it. Uh, are rapping together <laughs> about about uh, experiences, uh, which is a very interesting scene because they uh, the people have just testified about horrific things are taken to task for not realizing i guess what would we call now the kind of intersectionality of 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 the of the experience uh, for uh, for some of the soldiers who were there and also people at home um having their own experiences of 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 uh in, injustice so that was an interesting twist that i actually was not aware really or did not remember was in the movie um, but yeah, this is, it's tough stuff and it's, it never feels either like it's hectoring you or is, is somehow punitive or something. It's really just, it just, it's just like staring, staring deep into something dark about, uh, American experience and American history. Um, I, it, it, if I start like listing things they've seen, it, it, some of it would be kind of, well, depending on how much pe- people know, uh, almost some of it's hard to believe, but you know, just yeah, mowing people down from helicopters. Uh, a matter of fact, just massacres of villages. You know, all the things that you know people were, uh, were exposés then, but then simply get repeated in later wars. Um, but there is just something about it, and also just the conscience, uh, the sense of conscience among the soldiers who are all just just wrecked by these by these uh, experiences as well. Uh, and, and, and the feeling that speaking out about it is dangerous. Um, that's where it kind of keys in for me, uh, like the current climate, um, just the feeling that it's entirely different, but, you know, feeling that so many awful things are happening now, but there is as much as we know, there's still a wall of silence about it, uh, in, in, in and out of government about a lot of it and a feeling of helplessness, mm. helplessness. Um, so that also came through just like across the decades, which is crazily to think that that's half a century almost ago that that these things um, were, were happening. So that's also a, a mood in it that I was I was keyed into the sense of needing to speak out um, and not knowing if anyone really going to hear and not knowing if it'll make any difference um, and being deep, deep, deep in a in a hole as a country. Um, 
so that was yeah 72 73 <laughs> but that's winter soldier just to uh <laughs> bring us full re- full not to be confused with um my god captain america winter soldier is that what it is yeah <laughs> yeah no, not to be confused. <laughs> although yeah i i'm sure there's somewhere out there a, a mashup someone has done <laughs> <laughs> inserting scenes of Winter Soldier. I hope I never, um, never, never see this. <laughs> this matchup. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, just just a powerful movie. Um, so I, I I don't know how available it is, but uh, um, it it also had some interesting interviews uh, with it uh, on on the DVD. Um, but yeah, that was that was um, yeah, <laughs> still kind of reeling from that one. Do you, um, Ash, do you want to mention again some things that are coming up at, at BAM, uh, some some events that, that people could be able to tune into? Uh, yeah, I would just say at the moment we're really focused on, on the Film Africa offering. So I mentioned it earlier, but mm-hmm. we have, as I said, Mother of George, uh, Ayah of Yop City, uh, a great documentary about Yusu Ndur, uh, Rafiki, I Am Not a Witch, um, two really wonderful documentaries, National Diploma and Chez Jolie Coiffure. Um, and also a, a wonderful film by Mohamed Salah Haroun, uh, A Screaming Man, So we from 2010. So we've kept the focus kind of on, on w- what you could describe as modern classics, I suppose. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, um, if, if you deign to support BAM in any way you can, please feel free. Um, but broadly speaking, yeah. Just support cinema. Let's get let's get back to where we want to be if we if we can. Yes, I'd I'd love that. Absolutely, me me too. We'll we'll get there slowly, but but surely, I think. So, uh, well, thank you again, Ash, and um, I hope we'll have you have you back. I'll I'll rudely grab more time out out of your day um, uh, and just to indulge my peculiar fascination with what other people are watching. Always, (laughs) thanks so much, and take care. Okay. Thank you, you too. Bye now.